8.22, are you there? Uh, one day, <laughs> bring it in. One day he got into the boat, Jesus, with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out and as they sailed, he fell asleep and windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling the water and were in danger. And they went out and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing, and the raging waves, and, the, and they ceased, and, uh, and there was a calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the waves to obey him? Um, we've been talking about prayer, and we've been talking about the presence of God. Uh, I'd encourage you, if you don't know, we have a podcast, and we, and we do have a YouTube channel as well, which is really cool. And, um, and so you can podcast, uh, I'd encourage you to podcast Lisa's message last week for, about the presence of God. And, um, and, you know, I was saying this morning in our prayer meeting at 9.30, we, we uh, by the way, we, we, that door is still working. We, we just felt that um, we really want to have this place where we're coming in, we're coming into the presence of God, we're coming into worship. And so if you're coming in, you know, 9:45, 9:50, and you want to have conversations. We're just like encouraging people have those conversations out here. As soon as 10 o'clock hits, our worship team's going to start, and so just a practical thing. And then we had a little break this morning to have tea and coffee, which is cool. But we want to just keep this 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 sanctuary space where we're like, hey, we're actually here to worship the Lord and come into His presence. Is that cool? So that's why we shut that door just to just to make it easy for the flow. Anyway. Um, prayer in his presence and I was saying this morning to our prayer team that uh, you know often we can hear a message and I don't know if you're like me you, you, you know you're like oh I've heard that that's awesome tick that got that done that bought the t-shirt let's move on what's next and I feel like often the Lord is like you know he wants to how many know how many have had that with with God where you're like he's taught you something for over a year and you're still you're still working through that issue or that thing and you're like and he's like, that's all right, we'll keep going through it again. There it comes again, we'll just keep, we'll just keep going that, through that again. I remember, I think it was Dick Joyce, he said he preached on love for over a year and one of his elders said, when are you going to change the subject? And he said, when we get it, <laughs> when we've got it, when we, we, we're, we're doing that you know, thing well. And I just feel like the, this thing on prayer and the presence of God and hearing God's voice, um, we're just going to hit it again. And, um, and we're just going to hit it from a little bit of a different angle this morning. But And here Jesus in 820, uh, Luke 8.28, I love this story because Jesus is in the boat. He's told them we're going to the other side. A storm comes. They wake Jesus, the saviour of the world. They said, I don't know if you know Jesus, but it's not looking good. He rebukes the wind and the waves, they cease, and then he gets a little bit frustrated with them. Did you see it? He says, he rebuked the raging and they ceased and there was calm and he said to them, where is your faith? I don't know if you've thought about this, but there's an issue and then they talk to God. Right? Jesus. Who's Jesus. Okay, so they talk to God, there's an issue. What do we call talking to God? 
prayer. And then he comes the storm. In my eyes, success, right? Storm, talk to God, storm stopped. We did it, right? Anyone else like that? You're like, yeah, that's, isn't that a success? And uh, sorry, I like to walk around, so I'm going to trip over that. Um, here, Jesus is like, where is your faith? Strange question. Strange question to ask when I'd be thinking, ah, Jesus, we woke you up, you calmed the storm, job done, let's just go on our merry way. But here Jesus is like, where is your faith? And I believe this is a key for us that Jesus is actually asking or he's, he's invited us into an opportunity to co-labor with him. That prayer in the presence of God isn't just we pray and hope that something happens, but that a circumstance arises and we actually have the authority and the power to cancel the, to cancel the assignment that's in front of us. Right? And so often, I, I want to hit this thing this morning, and I'm not angry at you guys, I'm just passionate about this, um, is is we pray prayers from an old covenant mindset and they're just not they're just not very f- fruitful and we pray these prayers because in the old covenant it was like pleading with God begging God God would come down once every year or you'd see God in the throne room once a year it was only the prophets that could hear God it was only these certain individuals that could hear God and these prayers were prayers of you know pleading almost and beseeching God and in the new covenant he doesn't pray that way he prays this way your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and then he says all authority I've given to you and he modeled and I'm gonna, we're going to go through that prayer a little bit because it's fascinating but in if I can just come back here for a second in the beginning Adam and Eve they had all authority right he said, go forth and, and take dominion of the earth, right? And then, um, you know, when Jesus is taken out into the temptation, into the wilderness, and he says, I'm going to give you all of these kingdoms. Do you remember that as one of the temptations? He says, I'm going to give you all of the kingdoms of the earth. Why did he have all the, how did he have all authority over the kingdoms? Adam and Eve gave him authority. They gave the devil authority to have dominion over the earth. It says he's the prince and power of the air, right? So then Jesus comes on the scene, and he's he is tempted by the devil, and the father, you know, he's baptized in water, and it says that the, he came up out of the water. The dove descends, and then the father says, says, "This is my son, in whom I'm well pleased." Right, So he hears the voice of God, he goes out into the wilderness and the devil says, if you are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. It's the same temptation that Adam and Eve faced with their identity. Right? If you really are the son of God, do something to become something that they already were. I'll say that again. Adam and Eve did something to become something that they already were, which in turn they lost the very thing that they already were. Yeah? So here... Jesus gets authority back and then he starts preaching about the kingdom. He doesn't preach about the kingdom until he's baptized. That's interesting. Why? Because Jesus, he says, 
you know, when uh, John the Baptist says, oh no, I'm, too, I'm, not, I'm not worthy enough to baptize you. And he says, let it be so that the law may be fulfilled. So here Jesus gets baptized as a symbol of fulfilling the law and then he preaches the kingdom. He doesn't preach the kingdom until that very moment because, and he doesn't have disciples until that very moment because you don't want disciples discipling him into the law, you want disciples discipling him in the kingdom. So here we have this, this now, he, now the kingdom's at play. Now he's, he's modeling the kingdom and he's modeling what the kingdom of God looks like and he's, he's demonstrating the kingdom and he's modeling the kingdom and he's illustrating what the kingdom of God is like. And then we have Matthew 28. He says, now all authority, where? In heaven and earth. All authority for God in heaven to the Jewish people was not a revelation. They knew God had all authority in heaven. That was not something new. They'd heard that before. That was like, yeah, God has all authority in heaven. We know that he's the God of heaven. That's, you know, the kingdom of heaven. And Matthew talks about um, the kingdom of heaven. And so that was not a new uh, revelation to them. When Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, that was a new revelation. So all authority has been given to me, right? If I have all the coffee in the world and then you guys have no coffee, right? <laughs> right? You will serve me. No, <laughs> I will be serving you. So I have all the authority. That means somebody has no authority now. Right? Unless we give it to him. So some, I have all the coffee, somebody has no coffee. I have all authority. It's been given to us. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I've commanded you to do. And so he's like, all authority has been given to me, and I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom back. That's Matthew 16. I've got the keys of the kingdom back, boys and girls. They're yours. I want to give them over to you. So now when we, we're faced with this thing called prayer or there's a circumstance in our life or there's a situation or there's something that just needs to shift uh, in, in our life, we're like, I, I feel, and I've done this, where we go into our closet and we, we pray and we're like, oh God, please do this. Or, and it's this, this, this begging God and those prayers aren't bad, but I just wonder how much authority and weight they often carry. It's faith that moves God. It's not begging Him, right? Faith moves Him. That it's not, and faith is this. Faith can be this weird concept that people are like, what is faith? Is, uh, what, I don't know what it is. And is it my faith? Is it His faith? Is it, is it Jesus? Faith is this. It's trust in God. That's what faith is. It's just trust in what He says trumps everything else. That's what faith is. Faith is the conviction of things, what? Hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith brings into reality what you can't see, but you know to be true in your spirit. So there's a circumstance like a massive swell in a boat. 
And Jesus is like, okay, let's calm the storm. Hey, where's your faith? Because what did he say originally? We're going over to the other side. Putting trust in what he originally said. This is so important because Jesus was so intimate with the Father that when the devil used Scripture out of context and out of relationship, he knew which way to go. He knew how to navigate it. The enemy, the enemy just loves to... You know, he just he loves to try and take scripture out of context and twist it to make it seem like that's the will of God. Because then what happens is we have we have a circumstance that maybe we've been contending for or fighting for or or a, a situation to shift or revival in our nation or whatever it is, whatever prayer, little or big, whatever it is, that the enemy would love us to think that, oh well that maybe that's not the will of God because our circumstance says something different. And then we don't we don't pray for that thing to be uh, to to break through when we're right on the cusp or on the precipice of breakthrough, and we're like, oh, you know what? Maybe that's not God's design, or that's God's will, or whatever it is. And I, I just like to propose: so often we're praying and we're contending, and we're we're almost at the breakthrough, and we give up. We don't have that um, persistency that Andrew was talking about because maybe we're like, well, my circumstance is saying this. And it's like, but what does God say? What does Jesus say? What does the truth of this actually say? Because my circumstance doesn't define me. Jesus does, right? My circumstance might be this, but Jesus says that I, if I have faith the size of the mustard seed, I can say to this, I can actually speak to this mountain and it will move, right? And um, I heard this quote a while ago. I don't know if Chris Valentin said it originally, but he said that the dogs of your, the dogs of doom stand in the doorway of your destiny. And and I just I, I feel like often we're in the hallway, you know, we're in the hallway of a circumstance, and we're right at the door, and we're like, ah, oh, there's a few dogs there. I don't want to go there. That's too scary, you know. And, and, and rather than actually, no, let's pray into that. Let's press into what God has for, for us. And it will be, it could be scary. <laughs> it could be frightening. It could be a massive storm, but we're actually called to calm it. Is this good? All right. So this is the covenant that we, whoa. This is the covenant that you or I are in now where we don't pray prayers of begging God, but we actually get to co-labor with him and co-minister with the Lord and actually see his will come about on planet earth. All right. Turn with me to Matthew 9. Verse 35. Do you know that Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss? I'd like to propose that he portrayed Jesus with a kiss because he was looking for intimacy without covenant. 
covenant relationship frightened Judas, but he wanted intimacy. Everybody wants Jesus. Every single person wants Jesus Christ. It says he's the desire of the nations. He's that good. He's so good. You know, I, I, I often can, when some, an evangelist like Andrew sometimes, you know, gets up in a room and shares what he shared about 70 million people coming to the Lord, often there can be this sense of, oh, well, I'm not called to that or I'm not called to be an evangelist. And that's fine. Maybe, maybe people in this room aren't called to be a, an evangelist like that. But how many know we're all called to demonstrate Jesus to the world? And I often joke with people and I say, yeah, it's true. You're not called to be evangelist. You're actually called to represent Jesus. That's a higher calling. <laughs> but Judas portrayed Jesus with a kiss because I believe that he wanted intimacy, but he, he obviously did it about the right way. And I just want to, I want to say this as a, as a uh, he wanted covenant. And we've got to be careful that we don't become intimate with God as a professional stance. Because when you become intimate with God to get something or in professional stance, there's a name for that that we have in our society. And I don't want to, I don't want to, be, I don't want to prostitute God. I want to be intimate with him because he wants to be intimate with me and I want to actually get to know him. I'm not, I don't want to be intimate with him to try and manipulate him or get something from him or so that I can, I can be a professional Christian. I want to be intimate with him because I want to get to know him. And then when we get to know him, we can actually represent his heartbeat well. And we can start to pray prayers of faith because we're in this new covenant. All right, Matthew 9.35, are you there? And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Let's just pause for a second. I, I just feel like the Lord, sorry, I'm just, I'm going on something. I, I, if, if you start to sense something physical in your body and it's God, or you start to have a revelation drop into your spirit, or something happens, um, you're like, oh, a light bulb moment goes off, the eyes of your heart are enlightened to know God, or in some way, right now, I want you just to raise, like, as I'm preaching, I want you just to raise your hand, we'll put it down, and we're just going to acknowledge it in the room, because I believe God wants to actually, sh He's moving, and He wants to show that He's actually doing something in the lives of individuals, and faith will be built in the room. All right, so if that's you, we're just going to continue on, and I'll just acknowledge you. Just raise your hand, go, yep, we'll just continue on. I'll just acknowledge it, and we'll continue on. Is that cool? Or if you've had something already, you can throw your hand up too. Um, all right, where were we? Kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send, to send out laborers into his harvest. Next verse, chapter 10. 
there's no chapters in the Bible originally, right? There's a man, man-made. And he called to it. So he's saying there's, there's, uh, he modeled it. He demonstrated, he taught in villages, synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. He healed the sick. He healed every disease, healed every affliction. And then the, he had compassion on them. And then he said to his disciples, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out people and listen what he does. And then he called his, to him his, his 12 disciples and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12, he goes through them all. These 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, verse 5, instructed them, go nowhere among the Gentiles, enter a town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You've received without paying, give without pay. So he, he, he beseeches them. He's like, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers. And then he's like, okay, you 12, you're my laborers. Come here. I'm going to give you all authority over every sickness, over every demon, over every situation. I'm going to give you all authority. Now go out and proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come. So he prays a prayer, pray that the God would send you the Lord of the harvest. And then he comes up with a practical solution for the outcome. He's like, I've got 12 guys with me. You're, you're, my, you're my harvest workers right now. And I love it because he gives the same authority to Judas, knowing he's going to betray him. Oh, that wrecks me. He knows Judas is going to betray him. And he's like, I'm going to give you the same authority and the same power. It's amazing. All right, let's have some interaction. And then we're going to do Matthew 6. And I'm going to go through seven things of just some hindrances that can, how we can help be overcome by them. How do we hear God? What are some ways? Yell them out. Dreams. Visions. His word. A sense, like a feeling, an unction. Yep, the Bible talks about those multiple times. Still small voice, like in your Noah, in your, in your, yep, actually audible. Who's had an audible voice of the Lord before? Yep, scared the heck out of me. Yep. Nature, his creation. How else? Number plates. Dan gets them all the time. I love it. I love it. It's awesome. You are free. So good. Come on. The microwave. One, two, three, four, divine order. <laughs> yeah, other people, prophetic words. Cool. Songs. Okay, good. How else? What's this called? Awesome. Angelic. Yes. Do you know, I was thinking about this th that this week. Um, you don't command angels, you don't, command, you don't demand your friends, you welcome them. But angels, it says that they're there to inherit, they're, they're workers of those that will inherit salvation, you and I. We just forgotten about them or something. I remember someone said um, angels were created because humans weren't supposed to do everything. And uh, I, I just... You know, they're there. They're there. They're around. 
Yeah, maybe, but stuff that, we're getting them back. <laughs> Layla saw an angel in her bedroom this week. Praise God. Yes. Yeah, if you have trouble seeing in the spirit, go to your kids. Trust me, they see a lot better. Um, we, our filters get in the way. Our natural mind gets in the way. What else? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, ask for it. Yeah. Don't demand it, though, is what I mean. You know what I mean. Yeah, awesome. Yep. Who's seen an angel? Physically. Uh, yeah, I've seen demons. I haven't seen an angel. I've seen, I've had moments where I, I, I read this book by Bobby Connor, uh, Angels and Demons. It's really good. And um, just te he teaches you through it. Yeah, I recommend if you want to grow in that. Here's the, here's the deal. We don't worship angels, all right, but we don't ignore them either, okay? Just leave that there. All right, here are just some dreams, visions, eyes of your heart, impressions, angels, open closed door circumstances, creation, rainbows, prophecy, the song of your heart, fleeces, supernatural signs, audible voice, gifts of the spirit, peace or lack of peace, music, poetry, art, other people, prophecies, wise counsel, leaders, godly friends, physical touch, lay hands on the sick, right? Stories, parables, testimonies, movies, preaching, teaching, Bible studies, and there's a lot more. Those are all different ways that we can hear God. Yeah. All right. And so um, turn with me to Matthew 6, verse 9, the, math, the, the famous prayer. And then we're really going to quickly do some dot points. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Now, now I want you to look at the, every verse of that and in every verse is Jesus. Our Father, Jesus is called, he's the representation of the Father, Right? Hallowed be your name. Well, Jesus' name is the name above every name. Your kingdom come. Jesus brought the kingdom. Your will be done. Jesus did the will of the Father. On earth as it is in heaven. Well, he did that. Give us this day our daily bread. Who's the bread of life? Forgive us our debts. Jesus didn't, <laughs> Jesus didn't cover our sin. He covered our sin. Jesus didn't cover your sin. He covered it. He paid the debt. He didn't put a cloth over your sin. He covered it. He covered the bill. 
That's the, the difference, right? And forgive our debtors. Uh, give us this day our daily bread and forgive our, us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. Jesus, but deliver us from evil. Jesus was tempted in every way yet without sin. Why? Why is that in that prayer? So we don't have to be, we're not tempted in that way that Jesus was because he's overcame that. And now he, can, he, he has compassion and he, has, he can sympathize with us because we have a, a great high priest who's gone to the cross. Right? I'm not saying, we, I don't say we don't have temptation. I'm just saying we don't have to go through that temptation because he went through that. Right? Yeah? yeah. Yes? Okay. Some of you still not sure about that? Okay. <laughs> What's my point? My point is Jesus... He doesn't just pray a prayer and then it's like a hopeful, wishful thinking. He prays a prayer and he brings the answer. Pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done. And he's like, oh, I'm the answer to this. Lead us not into temptation. He's like, oh yeah, because I've actually been tempted in every way with, yet without sin. So you don't have to be. Give us this day our daily bread. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. He doesn't just pray a prayer and it's, it's like a hopeful throwing a coin into a wishing well. He's teaching us that this is the way you pray. This is how you pray. You pray in faith for Jesus to come and be the answer, to calm the storm. And I really believe that these are just some things that I, I felt the Lord impress on my heart is that often... Uh, number one, often we think Jesus is distant and we need him to come close or God's distant and we need him to come close. Um, the devil's on the outside, Jesus is on the inside. You have union with God. You can wake up in the morning and have your union with God. That's the starting point, is intimacy with God. He's one. The Trinity lives in you and I. God, the, he's, he's a genius. He lives in you. That should rock your boat. That should mess you up, that God, the creator of the universe, lives inside you. And when I get flustered or I'm trying to work out of circumstances in my own strength and in my own mind in ways that seem right to a man and I'm not taking the thought captives to the obedience of Christ and I'm trying to figure it out in human reasoning, I just need to take a moment and go, hang on a second, Jesus lives in me. What, what's, I need to just lean back into the Father's arms and go, all right, I'm one with Christ. I'm one with the Spirit of God. And I'm like, okay, this circumstance needs to bend and bow its knee to the name Jesus. And he prayed on earth as it is in heaven and he brought the solution. So God, I know you have a solution and I'm thankful. This is the way I pray. Now, I'm giving you a little bit of a glimpse into my prayer life, but I'm, I'm not praying for God to come and move. I'm thanking him. I'm like, God, I thank you. I thank you that you're in me. I thank you that you're for me. I thank you that you're not against me. You have great plans for my life and I thank you. And very quickly, within a matter of minutes, my spirit man like jumps up, he's alive and well, and, my, and then my natural man follows suit, yeah. right? And I come into submission of, of, of the God man. Yeah. Does that make sense? But I do, it's thankfulness. It's by prayer and petition and thanksgiving in every circumstance. So I've got this crap situation. I'm like, thank you, Lord, that you work all things together for good to those who love you. And I love you and you're in me. And so, ah, all right. Come on. All right. 
Second point, delight yourself in the Lord and what? He gives you the desires of your heart. I don't discipline myself to be intimate with my wife. I delight in her and then I, we discipline comes next. I'm telling you right now, if, you, if discipline is your highest form of Christianity in your prayer life, it won't end well. But when you delight yourself in the Lord, discipline comes. Discipline's not bad, it's good. We need discipline. But it can't be the main motivator. It has to be delight. That we, I don't feel like it. Yeah, I have those days, weekly. But I'm like, God, you're in me. I want to delight in you, God, because you delight in me. So I, I, I discipline myself because I want to delight in him, not the other way around. Yeah? Discipline's good. We need it. I'm a sportsman. Discipline is healthy. My actions, here's the second, uh, one of the third thing that I think often hinders people from coming to the throne room of God is because you've done something in the week and you feel guilty, you feel shameful and you feel condemned. And your actions don't define you anymore. Jesus Christ defines you. It's not that we excuse the actions. It's not that they're like, well, we just bury sin and like bury our head in the sand and all of those things. But it's like, hey, you know, I love it. I have heaps of brothers, you know, around some in this church, some not. They ring me, hey, Liam, this is what happened during the week. I'm like, oh, okay, guess what? That sin doesn't define you anymore. Jesus defines you. Let's point you back to the cross, point you back to your purpose, point you back to your reality, point you back to who God says you are, not that thing that you did, right? Because that doesn't define you anymore. And let's get intimate with God again, because that is what will sustain you, right? So that's number three. Number four. The Word of God. Read the book. Delight in it. It's so good. It's so good. It's amazing. I'm, I'm just praying. I'm believing that we would have a Bible reformation. Because truth is truth. Truth isn't what you want it to be. Or what you think it might be. Or what you feel like it should be. Truth is truth. It's here. It's in this book. It's Jesus. It's, oh, but Liam, you know, that, that's, um, you know, that doesn't feel good. Yep. Yeah, I know. Sometimes we need that good cutting, the Hebrews 4 sword to come and just cut and remove what's there from what shouldn't be there, from what should be there. And it's a good, discipline is a good thing that we actually get that discipline from the Lord. The only time I heard the audible voice of God was a correction. It scared the heck out of me. And I was like, I'm never doing that again. It shook me enough because the healthy fear of the Lord was, is a good thing. Not in a fear of a judgment, not in a fear of a punishment, but a healthy, you know, uh, I think it was Bill Johnson. He said, you know, people say, how can you have love and fear in the same, same you know, thing? And he says, I, I fear my wife. <laughs> Gosh, I love her, you know, and uh, that's that's a good thing. So the Word of God, you know, um, I just want to encourage you guys, grab two or three people. Go, hey, would you read the Word? These, these Lani and these girls are doing that and Shen and they're like, hey, let's, let's just open up the Scripture. Let's read one Scripture a week and let's do this, you know, and I just encourage you, don't wait for the church to put on a program of reading your Bible. 
grab the book, grab a couple of mates, ring each other, do it once a week, whatever. Read us, not don't read your Bible once a week. Just like <laughs> read it more than that. But you know, like it's the Word of God. It's alive. It's active. It's you know, and don't feel guilt. I, who's felt guilty? You're like I haven't read the Word in a week. Yeah, oh, I've done that. That's not the Lord, right? I just I read. I read. This is how I read. I'm like. I'm like, God, I'm going, to read, I'm going to read to you, speak to me. And sometimes it's one verse. I read one verse. I'm like, oh, there he is. That's what he's saying. I'm like, awesome. Shut my book. And I just meditate on that. I think about it over the day. I'm like, he's talking to me about the storm. He's talking to me about calming the storm. Do you know, I very rarely, very rarely, I think maybe a handful of times, have I prepared a sermon for a Sunday morning. I very rarely do I do it. I've, I've, I pretty much just preach out of what God's saying to, to me and in my own quiet time. Very rarely do I, unless someone's like, hey, we're going to do this topic. And then I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll do some research on that topic. <laughs> so we've got it right. But very rarely do I actually prepare um, based on a topic. I preach from my life lived with the Lord out of intimacy, right? So anyway, that's how I do it. You come up with your own way. Um, Pray in the Spirit. If you speak in tongues in this room, uh, if you don't, it's available for you. All can have it. God's a Father that gives good gifts. Why would He withhold anything from us? And we're going to do a message on tongues later this in, this month, probably, or coming into March. But um, pray in the Spirit. Just go to Romans 8 for me, and we'll finish on this. We're in the new covenant, remember? We're in the new covenant prayer. Yeah. Romans 8, 26. <sighs> Any hands going up? Anyone getting stuff? Yeah, a few of you forgot. Okay, just remind you. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray, for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he searches hearts, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who he called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. Jesus decided from the beginning that we should look like him. That's what he's talking about. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those whom he predestined he called, and those whom he called he justified, those whom he justified he glorified. God's everlasting love, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Listen to this. This is a very powerful verse. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who is raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations or distress persecution famine nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for you shall for your sake we are being killed by the day oh is that the next 
Yeah. For, for your sake, we were being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, angels, rulers, things present, things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's a powerful verse. I'd like to propose that he says nakedness in there because when Adam and Eve did the wrong thing, they hid in shame because they knew they were naked. And shame keeps us from the throne room of God. But we've been given direct access to God. And the devil would like to say to you, hey, that thing that you did is who you are. But he says, nor height, nor depth, nor thing present, nor things to come, nor every tribulation, nor angel, nor da-da-da-da-da can separate from you, from you the love of God. He doesn't say your past. Why doesn't he say your past? Because he killed it. People often say, Liam, rearview Christianity is dangerous. I'm like, yep, it is dangerous. We should learn from our past. We should, you know, honour the good things that have come in our life. But rearview Christianity is dangerous when we keep looking back to our old man. But that's not what I believe Paul's saying here. I believe he's saying, I've killed you. God's killed your past. And now neither height nor depth nor angel nor anything created can separate you from God's love. That's how much he loves you. It's pretty good. So the last two things are trust what God says above everything else. Trust his word. Uh, That doesn't mean that you just go, hey, well, God said this and you don't weigh it up against good counsel and things like that. That's just wisdom. I'd encourage you to do that. And the the last thing, sorry, is when hearing the voice of God is take risk. Take risk. You know, Matthew 9, where he says, he says we need, the, we need the, uh, pray to the Lord of the harvest. And then he says, hey, you guys, come here. I've given you the keys of the kingdom back. I want you to go. I want you to proclaim the kingdom. I want you to lay hands on the sick. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to raise the dead. I want you to cast out demons. I want you to cleanse the lepers. I want you to go into towns and say, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto thee. That takes risk. Oh, what if I fail? Yep, what if you fail? What if you succeed though? No good father or good parent in this room punishes their kids for having to go on a bike. No good kid, no good parent ever punishes their child for trying to talk when they're one year old. Oh, you didn't say that word correctly. (laughs) Heathen child. I wonder how often guilt and shame keeps us from encouraging each other daily and praying bold prayers like, God, let's see Lilydale saved. Like Mount Evelyn, may Mount Evelyn be born again. I mean, we drove through the valley, went down to Warburton and, and, uh, and that on uh, yesterday and we prayed and just going through that valley, just praying. And I'm like, yeah, why not, Lord? Why not now? Why not here? Why not in our generation? Why not us? Why not this community? Why not the communities that are surrounding us? We need a move of God. 
And I want to I want to propose that we just we start to lift our faith and lift our eyes and we go, you know what? I'm not going to beg God. I'm going to partner with him. I'm going to partner with his spirit because I'm one with him and he's one with me. And I can actually know his heartbeat and I can know his heartbeat for my family, for the circumstance, for the job, for the kids, for whatever circumstance that it is. He knows the circumstance and the situation and he wants to see it shift in, in your life. But I believe he's asking us to say, hey, where's your faith? Where's your faith? Is it in what the circumstance is or is it in me? Is it in Jesus, not Liam? Jesus. Yeah? All right, why don't you stand?